0: That's good. I
1: enjoyed my strawberry shortcake frappuccino this morning. Yes? For breakfast, with my, with huh? my breakfast.
0: With your breakfast. It's my weekend, okay?
1: <laughs> so you can yeah. have a
0: thousand calories for
1: breakfast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter six of The Silver Chair. This chapter is titled The Wild Wastelands of the North. I am a moorfowl, not a talking bird. Obviously. Also known as Kristen. And this is my co-host.
1: I'm a peewit. Hi, peewits. Also known as Chris,
0: you're also a bird. We're
1: both birds. I
0: wrote a list of birds. Uh huh. Peewits and hawks, the moor-fowl, which are not talking birds. Mm-hmm. An eagle, wild geese. Whoa. Whoa.
1: I had to look up what a peewit looked like. Yeah, what's They're it look like? Pretty, pretty fun. They I had to look it up. They have a floof.
0: They have a floof. Yeah. Ooh, shoot. that yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. You usually have a floof. I'll show you. Oh that's a fun move. It's like a it's like a little cowlick. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. I like it.
1: They have a little little I thing. I like it. Anyway.
0: That's yeah. me today. There you go. Welcome. We're both birds today just because we couldn't find any characters that we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you weren't a a a black knight. No. Or maybe a skeleton.
1: Maybe an invisible person.
0: Oof. Oof.
1: So how do we start talking about this chapter, Chris? Well,
0: the first thing that we do is banter, and then we uh, do our summaries. Uh, When Chris and I are reading the chapters, which, of course, my co host name is Chris. I don't know if he actually introduced himself.
1: Oh, yeah. Hi.
0: Hi, Chris. Hi. Um, (laughs) So what Chris and I do first is we do our summaries after we banter a bit, and... Our summaries look like uh, five sentences that Chris and I have selected out of the chapter
1: mm-hmm. and just
0: pulled them out of context and tried to tell the chapter's plot.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Would you like to go first or shall I? Uh,
1: I'll go first. Sure. 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 <laughs> so my summary is as follows. There seemed no end to the line of giants, and they never ceased hurling stones, some of which fell extremely close. Then they all looked and saw the last thing they were expecting, a bridge. By the time they had stepped off the end of the bridge onto the pass, the two strangers were quite close. And in Harfang you may or may not hear tidings of the city ruinous, but I'm certain you shall find good lodgings and merry hosts. And Jill gave up her habit of repeating the signs to herself every night and morning.
0: I think you and I only had one sentence in common. Okay. Um, and I'm surprised at the one that it is. Okay. I think that it's interesting we both chose this as something that we really wanted to include.
1: is it the bridge? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> Here is my summary. Okay. They cast a longing look back at the valley land of Narnia, and they turned their faces to the north. And riding toward them on that ancient road were two people of normal, grown human size. This road leads to the borough and castle of Harfang, where dwell the gentle giants. Puddleglum didn't want them to go to Harfang at all. And Jill gave up the habit of repeating the signs over to herself every night and morning.
1: Okay, well I think that's an important tone-setting sentence, uh, and does a lot also almost included the sentence about puddle Glenn. that was almost my sentence for yeah so we were we were along the same lines there uh this was a hard chapter to summarize it's a long chapter a lot of there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff that i'm upset about in this chapter that we need to talk about okay um but also conversely i like this chapter a lot and this chapter has convinced me that like um, we're almost halfway through this book now like we're going to reduce chapter 7 next week we'll be halfway through it basically so this chapter has almost convinced me that this might end up being my favorite book of the series
0: okay so there's like, a lot of stuff that you're upset about but you think it's going to be your favorite book after this yes, chapter yes
1: because this in- and <laughs> because it's interesting stuff so anyway okay whatever let's let's dive in here
0: so the first thing that happens is that they get up onto the moor yes after some lonely walking.
1: Well, they cross the stribble. They yeah. hop, skip, and jump across the stribble, which apparently is, you know, really well, easy to ford. because Even
0: they, Jill, the water yeah. only came up to her knees. Yeah,
1: so I don't know why this was like...
0: Apparently she's short. Uh-huh. I don't know.
1: A difficult river, and, you know, is just like, yeah, I guess it has been forded before. Yeah. I guess all you have to do is rock on, rock on some walks. Yep. You walk on <laughs> some rocks across. Uh, they ford the river. They get in the moor. And, uh, so, and it starts out pretty well. Yep. Like, sunshine, in like it's clear air, like there's a vast empty land out in front of them.
0: They're staying away from this little valley thing, gorge. Yes. Because that's where the giants are. It's
1: basically like a road to giants.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And so they stay away from the valley, uh, and they have a little hike up to the top of a hill, and it's a beautiful morning, and uh, there's a picturesque stream, and Jill thinks that she might be beginning to like adventures. Yeah.
0: And, uh... Who is it? Who says you haven't Pub- had any yet?
1: Poglom. Okay. He's like, nope. She's like, I-,
0: I might actually enjoy adventures. You haven't <laughs> had any yet, child.
1: Uh, but then shortly after that, the adventure changes. You know, like because
0: they they stopped to eat. They sat down and yeah. had to get up and continue doing the thing they were doing.
1: Yeah, it's like school mornings after break.
0: Yeah, or like after you get on a your second train of a journey.
1: Yeah, never experienced that one.
0: It's, well, it's like getting on your second plane of a journey. Yeah. Like, you, you take your first flight, and then you have your layover, and then you have to get on another plane. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're doing this again.
1: But I would say from remembering from my school days, the school days and mornings after break were always better because you're just like, all right, we're in the back half of the year. Summer's coming up. Like.
0: I think he meant after lunch break or after, like, a mid-morning break
1: school mornings after break
0: yeah not after okay. summer not after
1: oh i thought it was spring break work, work. like okay.
0: after after the morning like you have two classes and then you have a 20 minute break and then you have two classes and then you have lunch or whatever oh, okay like i was
1: thinking more of a that that break vacation. like after cool.
0: that little break where you've gotten out of the mental space of learning
1: uh, well it's a confusing sentence could could be read either way
0: okay anyway sure school mornings after you know in the last half of the year <laughs> or school mornings in an individual morning
1: whatever um <laughs> anyway well because no as long as we're bantering like this is never an experience i hadn't like i didn't have a mid-morning break like there was morning classes there was lunch there was a- afternoon classes yeah but the like, after, no the after lunch classes are stupid yeah but it's no longer morning at that point okay Anyway,
0: I guess yeah. I'm sorry that your experience didn't lead to this. Um, I was homeschooled, so I didn't also have this experience. Uh Anywho, but I am aware of the phenomenon of of lunch of lunch. (laughs) No, I've I've heard of it before.
1: This is a fun record. It is anyway. um, So Jill sees some weird rocks. Yeah. She sees some really weird rock formations, and she's just like, you know what? I can see there's something to these stories of giants. Because, like, if you look at that one, it looks like, you know, that big lumpy rock on top could be, like, a head. Yeah, and, like, and
0: that nest stuff.
1: Yeah. it's Bird's nests could be, like, you know. A bird,
0: a beard. Yeah, it
1: could serve for hair or a beard. Ah! Not-
0: it's moving!
1: Yeah. And then it moves. And, oh, hey, look. There are giants. There and are
0: giants that are standing down in the gorge and leaning against what well, would essentially, to the kids, be a cliff face.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if you have this really solid like piece lazy, of... some uh, lazy men. Like some, some, some lazy men on a fine morning after breakfast.
0: No, I do not have this artwork.
1: Uh, Anyway, I have some artwork of this, of them walking along the top of the gorge. Yup,
0: Yo, there you go. They're They're really close to them in that picture. Yeah,
1: they're really close to them. Maybe. Also, the sense of scale in this picture, like, calls into question the sense of scale from the giants from the rest of the, um... Oh, Wimbleweather and... Yes. Because, like, in this picture, it really seems like...
0: If they fell over and dropped their head on a child, it would crush it.
1: Yeah. Like, Eustace is, like, the same size as a giant's head. Yeah. So, like, that's, you know, back of the napkin math, that's putting the, the height of these giants at, what, like, 25, 30 feet tall.
0: Yeah, that's a lot.
1: Like... weather
0: was only, like, 10, 12 feet.
1: Yeah. It's like these are huge giants. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's it I mean, we have established before that the artwork doesn't actually like line up with the actual especially the sea people.
1: Yeah. Yes, but like if they're you know, even context clues, they're walking beside a gorge and like the little giants are standing up leaning on it, like that doesn't work with like something that's just ten or twelve feet tall. It's like that wouldn't be a gorge. It's like a well, I don't drainage know. canal.
0: What does a gorge have to, like, is there a specific <laughs> What's the legal definition of, of a gorge that a gorge has to acquire before it's a gorge?
1: I don't, it just, uh, it seems like they are. Per- I feel
0: like a gorge is defined by its formation, not by its depth.
1: No. Apparently, also, they're big enough to throw boulders around casually for a game. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they're leaning on the edge of the what gorge. Game? They're playing cockshies. Cockshies.
0: See, when I try to Google this. <sighs> uh-huh. I typed in game, quote, cockshies" and spelled it that way.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And Google will only give me responses for game shoes," <laughs> <laughs> Which are apparently red shoes. Well,
1: anyway, I was able to find this. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't
0: find by it. By typing
1: in them as in separate words. I, it's cockshies. shies
0: is yeah. two separate yes. words. Okay. And
1: I was able to find this. I put this. the
0: dash in there, and it's like, nope, you want game shoes? And I'm like, what are <sighs> game <Gamecock> shoes? <laughs> Gamecock is one word in the Google search, too. Uh, Gamecock it, is a bird, but I don't want Gamecock shoes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, uh, in a very general sense, it is just the game that is described here of, like, throwing rocks at a target. Okay. Um, in the more specific sense, apparently this w- it is described in the Google search as a blood sport that was popular in late 18th century England, where a rooster was strapped to a rock, and people would take turns throwing rocks at it until it died.
0: That's awful. Uh-huh.
1: And whoever killed the rooster got it to take it home as a prize.
0: After it's been, like, bludgeoned. Yes. <laughs> and all of its bones are broken, and you don't want to eat the meat because the bones are splintered into it. What?
1: Yeah. This is apparently a thing. So there's no <laughs> there's no rooster here that we know of. The but giants are just they're throwing.
0: They're aiming at a cairn.
1: They're just aiming at a cairn and trying to knock rocks over with other rocks because that's like the only game they're smart enough to understand. Yes.
0: But uh, it's funny though Puddle Jill asks if they're throwing rocks at them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Puddleblum says no, we would be safer if they were. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're aiming at that thing over there and they're probably going to hit us.
1: Yep. Apparently their aim is real real poor. Uh, but they're throwing boulders around. They're scared. They're dodging boulders this whole time. There's like 50 but 60 giants. It seems like the giants,
0: giants don't see them at all.
1: They don't They don't notice. There's like, you know, Basically what we'd look... At. I wanted to make a comparison and be like, it's like, you know, wandering around and seeing like a gerbil or a rat or something cross your path, but like...
0: Those are like pretty noticeable. We usually,
1: we usually notice those. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, like a squirrel, like something really common, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, hey, there's a squirrel, who cares? I don't know. Unless it's a beet squirrel, which is Because I feel thing. like
0: if you're throwing a boulder <laughs> at a target, you're looking at the target, not uh-huh. at what's between you and the target. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would miss. However, I feel like you watch the boulder go, and if the boulder lands four feet from them, from mm-hmm. the kids, like the giants are going to see them at that point. I feel
1: you would think, but they're also really stupid, uh, as we <laughs> as we establish here. Yeah. <sighs> it even says something in the description about uh, says something about their idiot faces or something. But anyway. Yeah. <sighs> Moving on, they're playing this game. They avoid these 40 or 50 giants hurling boulders. And then they get into a giant fight.
0: Yes, the giants get into a fight. They hit each other in the head with their stone hammers, which hurts the person swinging the hammer (laughs) more than the person being hit.
1: Because their heads are so thick.
0: Yes. Um, And then they uh, all beat each other up until they are sobbing and boohooing and blubbering and all sit down so that they're not visible below the gorge lip anymore.
1: And you can still hear him a mile away, though. A mile
0: away, they're, you can still hear away. them blubbering. And this was the
1: first point in the chapter where I was they
0: like... They have like ten syllable long insults for each other. Yep.
1: Yeah. And this was the first point that I reached in the chapter where I was like, the lore of Narnia becomes problematic here. Because we established that like, during the Golden Age of Narnia, you know, High King Peter goes off to the north to wage war against the giants. Yes. Are these the creatures he's waging war against? Like the you know, what are basically twenty five foot tall toddlers? <laughs> it's like is that a war really? Because I feel like I don't know. This is problematic if they're actually that stupid. Oh, because like they're no. they're not fighting an organized war and this is the Narnians going up and just killing these dumb creatures because they're there.
0: Could be a little problematic, yeah. Uh
1: huh. It's like having a war against cows. Like... (laughs) Like, can a cow hurt you? Yes. Could it trample you to death? Sure. Would it make sense to have any sort of, like, conflict against them that you could rightfully call a war? No. Like, a war involves, like, strategy and planning and, like, trying to take territory and, like, a lot of things that these creatures don't seem capable of. Mm. So... I don't know, but then we also establish later that obviously there are giants that have been able to build cities and like heaps and whatnot. So there's a, this vast divide between like the stupid giants and the smart giants, I guess. Yeah,
0: and and we do even when we encounter the bridge later, yeah. um, Puddleglum says that couldn't have been built by these idiot giants. Like, yeah. th- no, they they they're they're not. That could have to have been built by somebody else.
1: Yeah, but it does seem like the ones living close to the border that would be. Logically, the ones you would think get into a conflict are the stupid ones.
0: Yeah, it does seem that way.
1: So, I don't know. That's problematic, I think. But anyway, but moving on. That night, they bivouacked on the Bearmore, and I have never learned how to pronounce that word, but bivouacked. it's a word I liked. Bivouacked. Yes. Bivouacked. I've always liked that word, and I never know how to pronounce it correctly. Bivouac. bivouacked. Yeah. Uh, and they, they learn how to sleep properly, back to back, for warmth.
0: So that they can use both blankets <laughs> to keep them warm.
1: There you go. Uh, they eat a bunch of dead birds. Um, they keep trekking. And this they journey... They save the bacon. They do save the bacon.
0: Because they have birds available here, too.
1: And this journey goes on... Uh, ten days. To ten days, yeah. And I feel like... I don't know. Ten days later. I feel like something about the way this chapter is written with, like, the right kind of environmental descriptions and them talking about camping and whatnot, like... I feel like this is one of the few times that Lewis has done a good job at conveying, like, the scale of a journey.
0: I disagree. You don't think? Like, just saying that it was ten days later, but only describing them camping, like, twice. I I feel like this was three, four days and not two weeks.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, they,
0: from, from Puddle Glum's house to seeing what they see at the end of this chapter Yeah, feels to me in storytelling terms, like four days yeah but I, it's actually 14.
1: Yeah, I don't know I mean they talk about like you know how tired they are of like eating the birds and like them being like you know when when later they get tempted with like the warm beds and the baths and whatnot of them like sleeping on the cold ground and how sore they are and whatnot again they're children but at the same time I, do, I feel like there's a lot of like descriptors for how arduous this journey has been.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad that you perceive it that way. I've, having read it before, I guess, might be impacting my yeah. enjoyment of that aspect of it because it doesn't feel that way to me.
1: Uh, but anyway, in this adventure, the next thing they reach after they have moved past the giants, and they only they encounter this one group of giants, and after one, that,
0: one single giant notices them. Yes. Later, and, and laughs, laughs at them and walks away.
1: Yeah. So giants aren't like interspersed everywhere. Apparently, they're you know. Yep, a lot of a lot of open territory up here. Uh, and then they see a bridge.
0: A bridge.
1: <laughs> yes, or well, a bridge they, to our English-speaking listeners.
0: They encounter a, a big another gorge type yep. thing mm-hmm. with a deep deep river valley yep. and cliffs on the other side. And you know, Puddle says, "Well, if we if we fall and break our necks, it'll save us from drowning in the river." Yep. So cheerful as ever. And then they look upstream and notice in this particularly described as west to east flowing river. um,
1: So, sorry, I had to make the point here that he says that so that they don't fall. Like he's working his little uh, reality shifting magic here. Oh, Potalamus? Yes. yes.
0: Yeah, I would like also, I'll bring something else up about that later. (sighs) Uh Um, So they look up and see the bridge. Mm Mm-hmm. And Glum does not want to go to the bridge. He thinks it's, like, possessed by a sorcerer or placed there by a sorcerer or something. And it couldn't possibly have been built by the giants because the giants are so stupid. And they're like, but the giants also built cities and towns. Yeah. So is it possible that they could have old ancient, like, this could be part of the ancient civilization, which would be the one that Peter had fought with. Mm-hmm. The ancient civilization of giants that were able to build cities and build bridges uh-huh. obviously were the ones that Peter, High King of Narnia, was warring against because he was an ancient king. Yeah. At this point, more than a thousand years has passed. That's true. So I'm saying this this bridge was probably built by the giants that King Peter was warring against at the time.
1: Yeah. So why do the giants get stupider over time?
0: I don't know. People tend to do that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I'm not going to
1: make any political statements. I don't know. Um, also, really weird logical leap for Puddlegum to make. He's just like, oh, hey, there's a stone bridge over the gorge. I don't think giants could have made that. I think it was placed there by a sorcerer. That's a really strange, like, next step to go to.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's trying to work his magic and say, no, it's not built by giants. It's clearly built by a sorcerer, something we should be much more afraid of.
1: Yeah. Well, awesome. oh, look, they're in the built by giants. As soon as they're in the middle of the bridge, it's just going to disappear because, like...
0: Yeah, because you know. it's all an illusion to trap us and kill us yeah, by why? throwing us into the gorge. Like, why? Why? <laughs> what would be why? the Why?
1: I'm going to magically place, place a bridge here. On the off chance that somebody crosses it, I can make the bridge disappear and kill them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, know. I mean, because the chances <laughs> of them trying to cross the bridge are higher than the chances of them... Going around the long way or the hard way and succeeding at getting around. So it is a security system.
1: Apparently. Uh, but anyway, they go up to the bridge, they cross it. It's a normal bridge. So they make it across.
0: There's some big stone slabs missing out of it, some holes. They look down and see an eagle fly below them.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is a deeper gorge than the one before.
0: Well, it's also a very high bridge. The bridge goes up and yeah. then comes back down again in an arch.
1: In fact, uh, it's as high above the. Plateau they're walking on as... uh,
0: St. Paul's I was either St.
1: Paul's or St. George's.
0: It's not George.
1: Okay. I think it's St. Paul's. St. Paul's Cathedral, which I'm sure, if you have spent time in London, is a visual reference you understand. I don't know how tall St. Paul's Cathedral is off the top of my head. Okay. But... um,
0: Would you like me to look it up for you? Sure. 365 feet.
1: Wow, that's pretty tall.
0: That's how high... The dome of St. Paul's is above the street.
1: That's that's taller than I thought it would be. Yep. And it's, like, over 30 stories high.
0: Yeah. The, so that's that's a, a very high bridge to climb. That's a
1: big archy bridge. <laughs> that's, like...
0: The cathedral height is 365, but the dome itself is 278, and then there's a, a tower on top of the dome.
1: I mean, that's still pretty darn high. So, yeah.
0: 85 meters still
1: a, still a high bridge yeah so anyway so they go across the bridge they see like some some old uh some carvings with giant faces and and minotaurs and squids and centipedes and dreadful gods apparently these are things that the Giants are into yeah
0: I, I find the inclusion of centipedes interesting in that
1: I was gonna say I find the inclusion of squids interesting yeah because that implies the Giants were a seafaring folk I
0: mean, they are, there. there is potential for there to be ocean exposure for them. We don't know what the coastline looks like north of Narnia. That's true. So, but yeah, squids and centipedes.
1: Yep. That's what they're into. And Things with lots of limbs.
0: Minotaurs? Or centaurs, sorry. Minotaurs? Uh,
1: minotaurs, yep. Interesting. Anyway. So they climb across, they get to the other side, and then they encounter these two figures uh, that are grown-up human size. Yeah, on the giants. other
0: side of the bridge, as they get to the top of it, they see that there is a road,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: a, a ruined road, an ancient road. Yeah. Um, and out on that road are two figures that are not giants. Yep. So it's saying that they're not giants is what it's saying by saying yes. grown-up human-sized.
1: But who are these two figures?
0: They are two people on horses. One is... a. Uh, black armor on a black horse and one is the most beautiful white horse that you've ever seen you just want to give it kisses on the nose <laughs> and upon it is an even more beautiful woman in a green dress
1: do you want to give her sugar cubes and kisses on the nose as well? Possibly <laughs> um, yeah and then they have uh, an interesting proposition to make so the lady speaks in this very like high and haughty uh, noble trailing the r's voice
0: puddle says that anyone we encounter here is as likely to be friend or as enemy or enemy as friend or whatever yes and that we should make sure that these people don't perceive that we are afraid of them
1: yep so they should go forward and uh by the
0: time they get down the bridge the the couple of horse horse people are almost there
1: mm-hmm. and the lady's uh very polite she's very cultured she's very you know I was going to try to trill my R's. side saddle. Yeah, I'm going to try to travelers. trail my R's here.
0: Tra-
1: like, Tra- I can roll my R's. I can go, travelers. Travelers.
0: <laughs> travelers. Like
1: this very, uh, I don't know, exotic Persian accent that she has, apparently. It is something.
0: Um, <laughs> I find it interesting that rolled R, you immediately go to Persian.
1: Well, you, you the way you said it made me think Persian. Okay. Yeah.
0: Travelers.
1: Also, the pants you're wearing right now. You're yeah. pulling off a very middle eastern vibe. Okay. <laughs> anyway.
0: Cool. Glad well, to know.
1: Peek behind the curtain for our listeners. <laughs> uh Anyway, and they tell the lady, "Oh hey, we're looking for the ruined city of the giants." Uh and well, she's like, "Well, I I've I've heard rumors of the city ruinous." Mhm. But haven't actually uh have never actually been there. However, if you want to go down this road, you can go to the city of Harfang.
0: Where the gentle giants.
1: Where the gentle giants are. And uh,
0: Puddleglum is very cagey. He doesn't want to share anything with this woman, which makes good sense. And she says you keep good counsel with this
1: yeah. companion of yours. And this is the part where, well, I, I was kind of into Puddleglum in the last chapter. Like, this is the part I really start liking, Puddleglum as a character. Yeah. Because, like, he he's the only smart one here. Which kind of has to be because the other two are 10-year-old children. Yeah. But at the same time, okay. Okay. This is where I got angry at this chapter. <laughs> because, like, she's like, oh, hey, come to the city Harfang. There's lodgings and merry hosts and food and baths and, like, it's everything you could possibly want. And the kids are like, Ermergird yes, I want a hot bath. I want to sleep in a bed. And Puddlegum's like, yeah, strange women coming out of nowhere offering you everything you want is uh, kind of sus. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yep. you, maybe we shouldn't listen. Maybe we shouldn't tell her anything about where we're trying to go. Like, you know, a reasonable person. And the kids are just like, nope, nope, not going to listen. We're going to go there. And I do have to quote uh, the lady on this. Give me one second.
0: I think that it's interesting while you find that quote. I think it's interesting that the, the lady is speaking about Harfang as if it were... Care Paravel and what they've already experienced. Like she is speaking into their minds about Harfang, uh-huh. what it is that they enjoyed at Care Paravel. Uh-huh. The meals, the beds, uh-huh. the bath and the in the quarters that Jill had. All of these, the, these are the only like three things that are described about Harfang and they're the only three things described about Care Paravel as well. Uh-huh. The food, the bed, and other than the clothes, the, the bath. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting.
0: It just, it was a, a mirror moment for me. I feel you. Where the kids have experienced these things, and therefore, speaking about a castle where they could get those things again, when they've had those things in a castle once,
1: mm-hmm.
0: very recently.
1: Yeah. Makes sense.
0: It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's like she knows what they want. Whoa. And whether she intended to or not, it made them feel worse the rest of the trip. Like it says, whatever the green lady's intentions were.
1: Yeah. So the the lady of the uh, she of the green kirtle. What is a kirtle?
0: It's um it is a clothing item. Uh huh. Um, it's not a girdle, but it's like a dress. Uh huh. Uh, it's a it's a green cl- clothing dress item.
1: Yeah. Um, I looked
0: it up and saw some cute dresses.
1: Did we establish that um, the lady that Prince Killian was going to see by the pond was wearing a green dress?
0: Rillian was going to see a lady with a green dress, yes. Yeah. Not Killian.
1: Killian, yeah.
0: Rillian. Yep. An
1: That's curious, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is curious. That that green lady and the, the snake were probably the same. Mm-hmm. Like Jill had said yep. to the owls. Yep. Yes, she was wearing green.
1: There you go. Another lady lady in green. Yep. Another? Yep. Maybe.
0: Or is it the same?
1: Also mysterious, very silent, uh, silent night. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't lift his faceplate.
0: Silent night. Whoa. Empty night.
1: Uh, (laughs) anyway. So I did want to quote her here directly when she introduces herself. Uh, and she says, uh, if you go to Harfang, only tell them, answer the lady, that she of the green curdle salutes them by you and has sent them two fair southern children for the autumn feast. hmm Like, if that's not ominous.
0: Is it? <sighs> tell me more.
1: hmm
0: What do you uh, think? You think the giants are going to try to eat them? Oh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> uh, but we'll go into a little bit of that in my very rambling baseless speculation that I have to touch on a lot of things. Sure. Um... Anyway, moving on. So I really,
0: really do love Puddle Glum's speculation about the Black Knight, though. What's under there? What's under there? Because they say, the kids say something about them, uh-huh. and Puddle Glum says, them, I only saw one. Yeah. What's and that a suit to? of armor.
1: Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? It's an interesting way to phrase that. It
0: is. It <sighs> really is. And they say, well, it was obviously in the shape of a man. He says, or a skeleton.
1: Or nothing at all. Or
0: nothing at all. I, I wonder what you would see if you lifted up that visor. Uh-huh. Perhaps a skeleton, perhaps nothing at all. An invisible person. Okay, and, okay. I love that about Puddlegum.
1: <laughs> and he's just like, he's a he's a speculation, he's a speculation guy. Uh, he's a speculative, speculative uh, chap he is. Anyway, this is where I get angry at this chapter, because glum is rightfully telling him this is creepy, uh, and that we shouldn't trust them and that They we... get
0: into their they get into the closest thing they have to the argument that puddleglum foretold. Yes. The chapter uses the word foretold.
1: Well he did tell them.
0: No 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 puddleglum foretold. That specific choice of words mm-hmm. seems to, to amplify for me this kind of mysticism that we've established around Puddleglum as what we believe about his negativity. Yeah. And that when he did foretell an argument, it was it was not using his mysticism to prevent it; it was confirming yeah. it. Yeah. And I I find that to be interesting because it used the word foretold, which stood out to me. Mm-hmm. But also that like, it's something Glum said would happen.
1: Yeah. That's
0: actually gonna happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, so yes, they have and and the way that it describes it makes it seem like one the the first of the arguments that puddle glum foretold like this is this is the first row that they're getting into that might actually like be the first of a few
1: i also feel like it speaks a lot to cs lewis's possible childhood trauma that he can't write interactions between like a male and a female character without them fighting <laughs> this is just a thing. Yeah. Um, Could be. But anyway. Yeah, apparently this is the first of many fights. However, this is where I got angry at the chapter because... Anyway, I can forgive Jill for being dumb because this is her first experience in Narnia. And, like, she doesn't know what's what. And she's like, this is adventure. This is a fantasy land, etc., etc. Eustace has spent time here before.
0: Yes, but... All of the mystical, magical green people he's met yes. have been the lords, uh-huh. have been Karayakin, uh-huh. have been Ramandu. have been all positive things. He has never encountered an evil sorcerer.
1: Yes, but at the same time, he's encountered like horrifying stuff, like you know, being turned into a dragon. Yes, and, which like, was the-
0: something that he wandered into a dragon's lair, saw the dragon. There was never any question of the danger he was in in that situation. And then it died, and he was like, "I might be safe." Fell asleep on its hoard and turned into a dragon. Like he he stumbled into a situation he knew he wasn't safe in. Yeah. Like at no point. Was he in a situation where it was like, "Hey, there is a clear and distinct villain," because there isn't one in the book. That's true. There is not a clear and distinct villain in *Voyage of the Dawn Treader*.
1: Uh huh. I mean, for for a brief moment, we think the uh, you know Karaikin's the evil sorcerer that's enslaved the devil Buds. Yeah. But.
0: But he's proved to be good. So, like. Even then, his encounters with a potentially evil sorcerer still end up being a friend who gives them great food.
1: Yeah. But regardless, like, I don't know. He he still is very aware that, like, the world of Narnia is a place full of, like, weird magical danger. Yeah. Because, like, he's encountered the pool that turns everything into gold. Like, he encountered the, the island where dreams come true and, like, all that, like, terrifying nonsense. Yeah. Like, he's aware there are, like, dangerous things that you can't understand out there. And when somebody who is native to the world is saying, hey, this is probably a bad idea, he should have the sense at this point to be like, okay, maybe it's dangerous. Yeah. Like him completely ignoring Puddle Glum is just like, he's stupid.
0: Okay.
1: I don't know. I I got angry at Eustace for just being dumb and not being a voice of reason here. Yeah. Where I feel like we can forgive Jill for being naive about it.
0: But he's left Narnia. He doesn't have the Narnian air to restore his strength that he won to him.
1: Yeah, that's the more air whatever that does to your head
0: apparently it clouds it
1: anyway and so they stop listening to puddle Glum, even though he's like I'm not gonna go puddle Glum gives goes in but it gives them the condition of being like if we go to harfang you cannot tell them anything about prince relian yeah and
0: Can't anything tell them- about our, our our mission here
1: yeah period and they agree we'll see if they actually keep that um anyway so they keep traveling they go down the road keep trucking they, they don't encounter anybody else in the road, like magical creatures or whatnot. Uh, and then they come up over a crest, go through some dark fir woods, and see lights in the distance. Lights? And it's a great plateau. It's not, uh, you know, it's not moonlight nor fires, but a homely cheering row of lighted windows. Yes. And they see a town off in the distance. They get excited. They catch a fat goose.
0: Wild geese. Because
1: they need one more night before they actually get there.
0: Because they close the gates early.
1: Yep, they close the gates at the, noon. Apparently, the green
0: lady three hours after noon.
1: Yeah, it's really early time to close the gates. Me and thinks. And nothing
0: else comes in after that.
1: Mm-hmm. Does anything else go out after that?
0: Mm, who knows? Who knows? I bet the green lady knows.
1: What time did they close the gates in uh...
0: dusk and dawn?
1: Okay, <laughs> that one city that I can't remember the name of. Yeah, the one in the river. Yep. Okay. Of course, in this boy. Yeah. Yeah. What's the city's name? I don't know. Cool. Uh anyway, so they see it in the distance, they have hope. They catch a fat goose. Toshbon. Toshbon? Yeah, I think maybe that that sounds right.
0: Toshbon. Cool. Yep. Flipped uh, flipped open <sighs> to a page with it on it. That's wow. awesome. And the tombs were quite visible. Yes. Best of all when you look back, Toshbon was already small and remote. Toshbon.
1: Yep. Good job. Showing off your magic powers over there. Yep.
0: Yeah. I can flip right to the page I need sometimes. It's an unreliable and useless superpower.
1: This must be enchanted pants that have given you this ability. <laughs> hey, so yeah, anyway, that's chapter.
0: Yeah, and okay. they and they sleep, they get a they get a frost over their blankets while they're sleeping, but they actually were able to get a fire going as opposed to some of their previous nights. Mm-hmm. Where it was just too cold and too windy with no protection. After they got out of the moors.
1: Yeah. Cool. Anything that we didn't cover or want to talk about in the chapter?
0: Uh, Jill stops repeating the signs to herself.
1: Oh, we didn't go over that. Okay, yeah, we both included that in our summaries. Yes. Uh, and she completely just you know forgets about Aslan. Well, they they stop talking all about of him.
0: them stop talking about Aslan and the prince. Mm-hmm. All of them do yeah and she stops repeating the signs to herself which you know she's told to eustace and it is also his responsibility to remember them
1: that's true she's
0: probably told the signs to Puddlelum at this point and it's probably his responsibility to remember some of them too yeah but you know whatever we're gonna make it jill's problem
1: yeah i mean Puddleglum is aware of them because he he mentions that the city of harfang isn't anywhere included in aslan's signs yes so they've shared them with him yes He knows.
0: Yeah, so don't worry about it. It's Jill's fault for not remembering them.
1: Also, how hard is it to remember a sequence of four things?
0: You tell me what they are.
1: Old friend in Narnia, you Uh have to say hello to the first person you'll see, and you'll have great help. Uh You've got to go and find the ruined city of the giants. Uh There's a stone in the middle of the city, and you have to read what's on the stone and follow the instructions exactly. And then when you encounter Prince Rillian, he'll be the first person you see that asks you to do something in Aslan's name. Oh, wow. It's easy.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) It's four things. Okay. Especially like when you're in fantasy land. I can never remember what
0: number two is.
1: Yeah. Especially when you're in like fantasy land and you're like, oh, hey, these are magical, like out of the ordinary things. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But you
0: also didn't repeat them exactly. There there might be details that...
1: That's pretty to gosh darn close. Uh, Yeah, but this is a... Yes, the idea that not only do they start fighting a lot more... But they kind of forget about Aslan and they're also more miserable the entire time. Cause that before they were doing pretty well because they like didn't have anything to look forward to and they were just on a mission. But now, like, oh hey, we have this thing that's you know, we're gonna have hot baths and great food and hospitality, and like we have that to look forward to, which makes our current situation seem worse.
0: Which is interesting because it's what they came directly out of to end up in this situation. Yeah. So you'd think that their first few days would have been more miserable, but they were, like, actually making progress towards a goal at that point. Yeah. And now they feel like they've been spending two weeks camping and being tired of it, and they want to go back to what they had before. Yeah. Maybe. Cool. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's really everything that happens in the chapter. Yeah. All right. Pretty sure. What do we do next?
1: Another salient points you wanted to touch on?
0: Uh, birds, holistic <laughs> birds, cuddle gum foretold.
1: It's always either birds or trees.
0: Yep. And then this is, and there are trees in this one too. Yep. Furs. Furs.
1: There aren't any fur girls though. No fur girls. <laughs> what do we do next? Go in, we're going to go into our next segment of Narnia Chopped and Screwed. Uh, and in this one, as a creative exercise, we go back to the chapter, find five sentences, and use them to tell our own story.
0: Because we are creators.
1: We are. (laughs) And page flippers. Yep.
0: You read your summary first.
1: So you can read your write first. You told me you had a difficult time with this one.
0: I did have a difficult time with this one. Because I had like three things I wanted to do and couldn't find sentences for most of my ideas. I also ended up writing down like seven sentences and having to parse together what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Eight sentences. Jeez. That I wrote down originally and had to, like, parse together.
1: Look at somebody good and greedy with their sentences over here.
0: All right, here's my (laughs) five-sentence rewrite in my Narnia Fusion Buffet. Okay. I was wondering, remarked Puddleglum, what you'd really see if you lifted up the visor of that helmet and looked inside. How about a skeleton? Asked the Marshwiggle with ghastly cheerfulness. Her blood froze. Lights... Don't look at them.
1: Really good. I went a very similar direction with it. Yeah. I have two of the same sentences in there. Okay. And I almost had three.
0: Her blood froze. Is that one of your yes. sentences? Yeah.
1: I almost did three of those. Yeah. So apparently we both had the exact same idea. That I That would mean, have been the closest we've ever gotten to a...
0: <laughs> it was... Was the easiest track to take on this one, but go ahead and read yours. But I think having
1: two common sentences and a rewrite is the first time that's happened for
0: that's us. B- yeah, if it has, if it ha- if it isn't that's the first, a, it's been a minute. Yeah, but go ahead.
1: Uh, I went from a more atmospheric take on this uh, this thing, so here's mine. Before them lay a desolate rocky plain. Beyond it, further mountains capped with snow. What about that? Said Scrub suddenly, pointing upstream to their left. His armor and his horse were black. There was no device on his shield and no banneret on his spear. I was wondering," remarked Puddleglum, "what you'd really see if you lifted up that visor of the helmet and looked inside." Her blood froze. So, yeah. did a very similar thing with the knight and just uh, mm-hmm. read three uh, another take on that encounter.
0: Yeah, yeah, we both. Did. <clears throat> I mean, now I think we both focused on the knight a lot but didn't talk about him like at all in the episode so like we obviously see that there's something with this knight.
1: well i got some stuff i didn't go into it because i have some baseless speculation to get into okay well, I tried to let's go please. ahead and
0: dive into that because i have <sighs> i have speculation about this night as well
1: uh-huh except you know you've read the book before yeah
0: that's why i didn't say baseless <laughs> speculation about the night i said i have speculation
1: if you know i don't think it's speculation at all
0: I don't remember
1: everything about this,
0: <laughs> but from a basic storytelling, but from a basic storytelling idea, like, I have things that I think would be great that would happen here. Uh-huh. Speculation or not, like, just from a storytelling thing. Like, I think there's great things that could be happening with that character or that entity. Yeah. Go ahead. This is your thing. What do we it, do here? So what do you do? Because this is your
1: It's my segment. segment. So, uh, I have never read this book before. I don't know anything about what happens in it no spoilers Uh, no spoilers whatsoever for this one uh and so i baselessly speculate based on the information to see where the plot's going and that's gonna get harder and harder because we're about halfway through the book and the uh the plot threads usually start closing and so uh the the possible directions we can go are getting narrower but uh i think i got a lot for this one so (sighs) a couple different threads to follow here one of them is about the giants like, the elephant in the room is the lady in the night, and we'll definitely get there. Mm-hmm. But about the giants, I think that we've had a, you know, a classic little switcheroo situation going on here. Where, before in, in Narnia, when we've met giants like Wimbleweather and Rumblebuffin, like, there are northern giants the good giants, but they were also both really dumb.
0: Yes. And so we've encountered some dumb giants now that are agitators that are not good giants but they are dumb giants do we know they're not good giants
1: all we know is that they were throwing rocks at another rock and they didn't pay any mind to the children walking by and they got into a fight none of this tells us whether they're good or bad
0: i mean puddle is afraid of them and doesn't want to encounter them
1: he's that, that is true and then we also have the lady mentioning this, like, city of, you know, the civilized gentle giants that have hospitality and all this stuff. And I think we're just going to have a classic reversal where, like, the dumb giants are the good ones that we've passed already. And, like, the ones in the city are obviously going to be evil and they're going to try to eat the children and et cetera, et cetera.
0: Which I think kind of falls in line with what we were saying earlier about the ancients who built the bridge and the city, the yeah. ruined city, were the ones who went to war with King Peter. So now we're encountering another city giant. Yes. So I, th- I don't think it's a reversal so much as it is, like, the same as what it's been.
1: Yeah. But also, what does it say about, like, the world as a whole or giant society where, like, the ones that have morality or are at least, like, not actively hostile are the stupid ones? Yeah. <laughs> like, if a giant if... is intelligent, it's evil. Yes. What is the- that
0: is that is an interesting thing. And then we also have to throw even more into this is the idea that we've had discussion before about the witch having giant blood in her. Yes. Uh, the white witch that she had giant blood in her mm-hmm. that she was part giantess, possibly. Yeah. That this is speculation, but that's what this uh, section is titled. you know, but the is this is it the witch? Is it like the influence of the witch? Is it that giants are evil and that the witch is a product of an evil, you know, mine in the same way that we have like the magician theory from the magician's nephew, where like they have this look about them that proves both that they're evil and have a, an attunement with magic.
1: Yeah, it's possible. Um, I mean, historically in, in, in earth folklore, uh, I think giants are pretty universally considered to be evil or at least very neutral and uncaring. Except
0: for, right, like, lot of... in Gulliver's Travels where yeah. there's tiny people and he is the giant.
1: Yeah. And it's like giants are always these kind of scary figures that try to eat Englishmen. and yes. like
0: Grind they're... their bones to make their bread. Yeah. Fee-fi-fo-fum.
1: Yeah. And so maybe that's the, you know, the story behind the intelligence of giants is that if they are smart, they'll realize, oh, hey, we're... So much bigger and more capable than the tiny men, we should be ruling everything, and like, why not take everything for ourselves? Possibly. And the dumb ones are just—they uh, just can't get there. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll find out more about the giants. I—I I absolutely. So you're
0: saying that only intelligent people have ambition?
1: <laughs> Let's not go down that road. <laughs> That's—I uh, think that's a little beyond the scope of this podcast to get into it. Um. Also, totally like mentioned before giants and harfang are totally trying to going to try to eat the kids the lady is sending them there for the feast obviously in a very literal sense like that so
0: you think the lady is
1: evil such hard foreshadowing yes yeah, so when um but first read through the chapter the first thing that struck me was black knight and a black horse coming up uh lady on the white horse coming up and this is Maybe a little bit of imagery of, like, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Okay. And, like, maybe one is death or one is pestilence or something like that. Okay. It's, like, obviously would, you know, would be a lot easier to get there if there were four horseback people. Uh, but that was, that was kind of my first thought that didn't go anywhere. But then it was, like, well, obviously she's wearing a green dress. Like, lady that Rillian was looking for wearing a green dress. Obviously there's something magic about her.
0: Do you think that she is the lady? That... Do I
1: think she's the lady? Yes okay I'm pretty if she's not the lady, she's related to the lady and there's like a whole like coven of green witches up here in the north with the okay. uh, with the giant so she's the snake, she's the lady et cetera et cetera. The person in the black armor is really in okay I'm gonna I'm gonna call that
0: What do you think what do you think about Puddleglum's theories that it's nobody?
1: I don't know, it could be enchanted, uh, like it could be an enchanted suit of armor, it could be some kind of servant, it could be like, it could be, uh, I don't know why a skeleton is the first thing he goes to. Like that's kind of a weird jump, I think.
0: I think that it's a symbolic jump.
1: It is. Saying that, that
0: regardless of who is in there, they're enchanted and they don't have a personality anymore. They aren't a person anymore. They are a tool of the
1: Green Witch. Yes. And narratively, I think that's much more interesting if it's actually really in there. Uh, and that they found him, but he is enchanted in such a way that he can't speak or otherwise do anything that's not her her Benny.
0: Okay. You like that for the storytelling?
1: <sighs> I do. I do, I do. Uh, and I think there's a lot of foreshadowing with Puddleglom being like, hey, who's under there, really? Yeah. So I feel like that has to get explored at some point. <sighs> My question here is why, if we're going to assume, oh, that's really, and this is the Green Lady, why is she sending them... To the Giants. Like, uh, if we're going to assume the Harfang Giants are evil and they're just going to eat the kids, like, what's her deal? Like, what does she get out of this? Does she know that they're on a mission from Aslan and she's just trying to get him off the trail?
0: I doubt that. I doubt that. But I think that she probably has a, a a tenuous relationship with the Giants and that giving them a gift of two children to eat is probably something like, oh yeah, tell them that you're here from the Lady in the Green Kirtle. Yeah. To uh, for them to eat you on the autumn feast. Also, like, I think that that's that's her establishing her good relationship with yeah the giants.
1: Possibly for a sillier take on this, though, we're talking about a city full of gi- well, like a town full of giants. We don't know how many there are. Like in the gorge, there were fifty, sixty of these things, and we established in the artwork and how they're described is that they seem to be pretty large. So let's let's say. You know, it's a really small settlement, and there's a hundred giants here. Mm-hmm. How far are two human children going to go as far as a feast for a hundred giants?
0: Well, proportionally, like <laughs> a chicken is the same size as your head, and it can feed six people as part of a meal. Yeah. Like, it's... it's If, if these giants are the way the artwork is portraying them, yeah. if these giants are actually big that enough big. that the kids are the same size as their head yeah these kids might be able to feed 12 people and at a feast that is the the important people
1: yeah you know
0: but like if if it's a more realistic view of proportions that we've seen already
1: yeah. where
0: they come up to like the calves like or not calves but the thighs i'm tapping my thigh <laughs> and saying calves uh-huh. but if they come up to like waste level on these giants. Then they're they'll feed a lot more. They'll yeah. feed, you know, 10 times that. Yeah. So, when you're cuz um, they're not exclusively eating children at yes. this point. It is for yeah. a festival feast. Yes. So, there's going to be a lot of other food around.
1: One would hope so. Maybe fat geese. Yeah. Maybe non-southern children, southern children are just extra tender or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also, also, the witcher, whoever she is in the green dress, isn't very all-knowing because, like, she doesn't realize they're not actually Narnians, and she's just like, "Oh yeah,
0: you're just southern children."
1: It's just southern children. So, I don't, I don't think we can assume that she knows more than what she's uh letting on.
0: Yeah, I, I agree
1: with you there. But as far as like, I don't know that which I,
0: would lead her not likely to believe that they were sent by Aslan. Like, she may be she may be completely thrown off by the fact that they're there. She might not suspect at all that they're there looking for Rillian or...
1: Could be. And I also, I feel like based on what we know previously, this is an argument to be made against the idea that she's Jadis.
0: Okay. I agree.
1: Because Jadis is very aware of, like, Earth children and people from other realms coming in, so she'd know something was up right away. Why doesn't
0: Jill see the Green Lady for what she is? Because Jill is the first one to say to in the in the Parliament of Owls that she bets that snake and the Green Lady are the same, mm-hmm. and then they encounter a Green Lady. Yeah, and Jill does not make that connection. Why not?
1: I don't know, because Jill gets dumb in this chapter. Uh, <sighs> yeah, she she you know all you have to tell a girl is the promise of a hot bath, and she just like nope, yep. Yeah, gonna forget everything else. And i going to forget about the mission that I got sent on by God because I got a hot bath at the end, end of the day.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I um, mean, that is also humanity.
1: Yeah. Uh, I Like I said, I, I'm really finding myself liking Puddle Glum's character. So, like, in terms of what you've told me about the book before, I don't understand why you don't like Puddle Glum, or didn't in your first reading, and I don't understand why you like Jill so much. <laughs> at this point, like, I, agree, I feel like those yeah. things should be... I agree. Her first. I
0: agree. I I read this as a kid though. <laughs> so. I, I Jill is like the most fleshed out female character that Lewis has ever written and that is that is true at this point four chapters into this book.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's that's basically all I got. Um she's not Jadis, she is a witch. Rillian's in the armor. Giants are going to eat the kids. Try to at least. I think those are my uh, my core points there. Sounds good. So, anyway. All right. We can move on. There we go. Uh-huh. Well,
0: thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything else to say? Anything else to touch on? I don't think so. All right. We got nothing else to say. So... Listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to interact with us on the social media platforms, you are more than welcome to do so at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter. And you can email us your fan art of a black suit of armor at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us money at patreon.com where you will receive the contents of an empty suit of armor. Nothing. Just nothingness.
1: Maybe it's really in
0: for for giving us your money, you know. will just
1: Eventually we're going to play a world-building game.
0: We'll see. <laughs> if we ever take some time off from our jobs and do something, you know,
1: uh-huh. which would
0: be easier to do if you gave us money on the Patreon. <laughs>
1: bribery here yeah
0: i mean that is how this be right like
1: uh-huh. we're also an ad-free podcast i'm
0: doing the opposite of of i'm bribing right now to point <sighs> out that my lack of bribery the rest of the time
1: clever yes
0: <laughs> anyway <laughs> we should close this. you can join us next time we will be discussing chapter seven of the silver chair chapter seven is called the hill of the strange trenches hmm
1: doesn't sound like it's harfang at all Yeah, yeah
0: i expected you to bring that up in your baseless speculation because the next chapter you you keep bringing up the next chapter's title in your baseless speculation
1: yeah i don't know i didn't have anywhere to go with that one
0: okay so the hill of the strange trenches yeah all right cool story thank you so much for joining us and until next time if you ever encounter someone wearing a suit of armor make sure they talk to you otherwise they might just be a skeleton
1: and strange ladies on horseback offering invitations to giant feasts is no basis for a system of government.
0: <laughs> Bye.
1: Well, the next thing that we do is go into our, uh, new segment. New segment. Our, our new seg- segment, Yep, Yeah, that yes. we've never done before. That's our, what we do next. Our next segment, called well, will Chop and Screwed.
0: I am a podcast host. We, as we're reading the chapters, we do, um, this thing. Gosh. I'll finish my coffee and then we can start recording Uh-huh. Again.
1: Anywho!
0: But I am aware of the phenomenon of... Of lunch. Of lunch. No, I've... Uh, <laughs> I've heard of it before.
1: I can't make sure the birds are on silent. Darn. Yeah, unfortunately, they don't come with a... Uh... Rock on some walks. Or we could live way out in the middle of the country where like we don't have any neighbors for half a mile. Yes, around. but
0: there's still birds. Uh-huh. The sound issue I have here is the birds and the airplanes, which is not something we can get away from by going out into the country and living on the moors.
1: With all the
0: birds and the peewits and the moorfowl and the eagles. It's
1: atmospheric. Anyway, can we continue with yeah, our summer? Sure. skip lunch and have a unhealthy dinner.
0: Ooh, what are you making for dinner tonight?
1: Um, if I can find the right crab that I need, I'm going to make crab cakes.
0: Ooh!
1: I'm on board. Since I'm I've board. never done those before.
0: I feel like you've done those before.
1: No, never made crab cakes.
0: They have breadcrumbs in them or something.
1: Yeah, no, never made them.
0: You made some kind of meat cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never
1: made crab cakes, bug. I promise you that.
0: Aren't meatballs just meat cakes?